Let us pray together. Bless the Lord, my soul, and bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, who leads us into life. May the living word of God be in our mouths, in our hearts, in our meditations, and in the words we speak. This we pray in your holy name. Amen. As I mentioned in Lent, we want to try a little something different with this sermon moment in which we turn it over into a sort of guided meditation. So we're going to try that out again today. But first, I'll give uh, a few reflections on the text to kick us off into that. And we'll close out our time with singing again many times that Teze chant, Bless the Lord My Soul. Many years ago, I was at a singing competition in the Midwest uh, where we had traveled many miles to go and be a part of this regional competition with high school and college students from around the states of Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, and Kansas. And as you can imagine, it was a mixture of students and teachers, some young people who were just discovering they have a voice to sing, some who were discovering they might have a career in music, some who maybe have dreams of grandeur of being on the stage as a performer, and some who are just trying it out. And there's a certain amount of stress involved any time you get up to sing in front of people, particularly when they're going to grade you in front of an audience and post your grade for everyone to see. There's a certain amount of stress any time you get up in front of people and try to share something with them. And so we noted this young woman who got up ready to present her piece, but before she did, she took a moment. And she stretched her arms out and she wiped her eyes. And then she leaned toward the piano and took many big deep breaths over and over again for what was probably only 30 or 45 seconds, but seemed like five to 10 minutes. That she went on taking this moment in front of a whole audience before getting ready to sing. One of the older teachers among us who was maybe a little more cynical said she was having communion with her creator, which we laughed at because it was a poetic and elevated way to say what we had witnessed. It seemed self-indulgent, out of place. Perhaps these were some breathing exercises her singing teacher had given her for the studio or for the practice room. But to do it in front of an audience seemed, well, self-indulgent and a little over the top. It's funny that all these years later she has stuck with me and whenever I see that sort of display I sort of mockingly refer to it as communion with your creator. But as a pastor I've had to take pause and say, well, what are we really all about but communing with our creator? Is that not the heart of prayer? I wonder if when Matthew wrote down the words of the Sermon on the Mount, he had people in mind in his particular congregation who made big displays about their prayers. Maybe that's something specific he was, he was teaching to, or maybe Jesus, in speaking those words, was thinking of priests in the synagogue who made a big deal out of their piety. Jesus is, in this passage, trying to say a lot about how we should do these ancient Jewish practices of giving alms to people in need, of praying, of fasting, and thinking about it in new ways as followers of Christ. 
And so Jesus is saying, make it very simple, very private. Go into your room and shut the door. I'm not sure Jesus is telling us to stop praying aloud in church, but is reminding us to make it as genuine as possible. That prayer on its own is a very private act only between us and the Creator. And that's all that really matters. I'm aware that sometimes we may get tripped up with some old images of God or ways of thinking about God that haven't worked for us or perhaps even our own skepticism about God. In this modern age, I often turn to Paul Tillich, the great theologian of the early 20th century, who reminded us or thought of God as the ground of all our being. And so to me, prayer at its simplest may be just reminding ourselves to get in touch with that force in the universe that set the planets in motion, that set this world in motion, that set all the plants and the systems of this ecosystem we live in in motion, that set our amazing, complicated, brilliant bodies in motion. This force that we name God, that we can only wonder about, that scientists wonder about along with theologians and philosophers, of what this force means and what our dedication to it is. I happen to believe that this force, which in this place we call God, wants those systems to work well. And when we pray, we get back in touch with the essence of that creation and our place in it. When we take time just to breathe, we get in touch with the basic purpose of our lungs and what they were designed to do, which has a healing and restorative property to it. You and I are aware of our society's attention to health and exercise, of eating and medication, of vitamins and homeopathic remedies, all ways, disciplines, daily habits in which we try to take care of our body, something we can feel and touch and know when they're working well and when they're out of sync. And you and I spend lots of money, our culture spends lots of money figuring out ways that we can get in sync with these systems as they're designed well to do. But the question is how often do we try to get in sync with our souls and how they work with the divine purposes of God? Many years ago in a book on prayer, Harry Emerson Fosdick wrote it this way, Nothing is real to us except those things with which we habitually deal. People say that they do not pray because to them God is not real. But a truer statement generally would be that God is not real because they do not pray. Granted, a belief that God is, the practice of prayer is necessary to make God not merely an idea held in the mind, but a presence that we recognize in the life around us. He goes on to say, in such a way to say, O oh God, is easy, but it is an inward and searching matter to say, O oh God, you are my God. The first, O oh God, is theology. The second, O oh God, you are my God, is religion. 
The first involves only opinion. The second involves vital experience. The first can be reached with thought. The second must be reached by prayer, by practice. The first leaves God afar off. The second alone makes God real. To be sure, all our Christian service where we consistently ally ourselves with God's purpose and all insight into history where we see God's providence at work help us to see God real in the world. But there is an inward certainty of God that can come only from personal communion with God. As Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, God enters by a private door into every individual. So in order to help us pray, Jesus gave us this beautiful prayer that we say almost every Sunday in church, the Lord's Prayer. And it is a guideline, it is a way of entering into the system of soul work. I wonder though how many of us pray it outside of worship together. How many times we say it and how often we dig into the words. There is something brilliant and reassuring about saying the same words every Sunday, particularly when we allow ourselves to deepen and sink into them. But what I want to offer for us today as a sort of guided meditation is how we might dig into the Lord's Prayer together. If you turn the page in your order of worship, you'll see that we've printed for this week and perhaps throughout Lent a more modern version of our Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to invite us to say it together collectively. Actually, I'm going to invite us to say it together individually, wherever you're seated, in whatever rhythm, not saying it together collectively, to whisper it in your place. And then I'm going to continue to guide us in a prayer about how we might deepen into this, play, this prayer together and how it might have some meaning throughout our daily lives. Afterwards, if you want a copy of this meditation, I'll have them up here on the communion table for you to take home and try out this week. So in an experiment, in a spirit of experimentation and prayerfulness, let us pray together. And I'd ask us to start by just centering ourselves comfortably in our pews, perhaps both feet on the floor, sitting up as straight as is comfortable, and taking a few deep breaths together, perhaps placing a hand on our hearts or to feel our pulse, and just take one big deep breath. Giving thanks for the gift of our lungs and the ways they restore us and renew us. Another big breath. Giving thanks for God the creator who set our hearts in motion. Another big breath. Giving thanks for Jesus, the Christ, who came and put on human skin and showed us how to live in this world. And a third big breath for the Holy Spirit, the breath of life that sustains and guides us still. When you're ready, I invite you to say the words of the Lord's Prayer wherever you're seated in your own rhythm and time in your own whispered voice.
Let us enter into this prayer and meditation together. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I ask you, how do you imagine God? Is there an old image in your head? Perhaps one that's comforting or one that you need to get rid of? Or they're newer, more helpful? more loving, more compassionate, or even more abstract images of God that need room in your imagination. What might these images be? Just grab hold of that with your mind. Take a few breaths with this image of God. Try it out. And I invite you to ask this question. How do I honor the name of God in my life, in my daily work, and pray? continue to take deep breaths and imagine God in our lives. I'd also say for anyone for whom it's easier to draw a picture or to color something, I invite you to do that as part of this meditation. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. What does heaven look like to you? How are souls treated in heaven? What are the sights and sounds and feelings of heaven if you were to step into that place? How could that become more of a reality here on earth, this kind of heaven? How can it become more of a reality in your life? Give us this day our daily bread. 
What is it you need for your basic daily existence? Food, clean water, housing, clothes, medication. Do you have these things? Do you thank God for them? Let us take time to thank God for those basic necessities in our lives. If any of us do not have these basic necessities, we pray for God's help. That God may help us find them and find solutions. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What sins do you need forgiven? Where have you gotten out of step with God? What help do you need? Are you willing to forgive yourself as God forgives you? And who do you need to forgive? What keeps you from forgiving them? What help do you need in forgiving others? Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. Are there trials or temptations that you are facing? Challenges that are coming up in your life? What makes them hard to endure or to resist? And what do you need to face any trials or temptations? For the kingdom, 
the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. I invite you to return to that image of God that you found, if you found one reassuring to you, continuing in a spirit of prayer, or that image of heaven and any feelings that were good associated with it. To revisit those moments in your meditation. And let us ask together, how might we honor and acknowledge this power and glory of God today? Is there one thing that we can do, one intention that we can resolve to make a part of this day?